This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, the show that gives you an honest look at medical school, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. But what's really important, this, I mean, pay attention, listeners, <laughs> pay attention. What's really important to my co-hosts on today's show, never in the history of this podcast has there been a more intelligent, more compassionate, more collaborative, more organized, purposeful, reliable, self-directed, and open-minded group of medical student co-hosts. A prime example of these traits, which I picked out of 317 positive character (laughs) traits that I found on some random website, is M2 Nicole Hines. Some nerds. Uh, say hello to a top-notch MD-PhD student, Sahana Arumagam. Hi, guys. And over here, we've got her intelligence is matched only by her stress level. It's MD-PhD student <laughs> Riley Behan Bush. Hello. And joining us for the first time, sort of all the way from Shanghai, China, is M1, Mao Song Ye? Yep. Did I do cool. it? Yeah, I go by Mao in Medischool, though, so right. that's perfect. I I was, you know, like you've probably heard, I think you said you'd listen to the show and you've probably heard me screw it up before. So no, that was perfect pronunciation. I appreciate it. (laughs) Dave, you messed up my first, my last name on the first time I was on the show. I probably just messed it up now. No, you did it great. Well, he was like, we spent the first five minutes when I showed up being like, hey, it's Behan, not Behan. And the moment the show turned on, maybe you edited it out. I think I just said Behan. I think you just did. You just say. I think I just now said Behan. You did. (laughs) Rude. I can only correctly pronounce one person's name. No, that's true. I'm willing. It's so funny. Well, I'm glad it was Mal. It is happening. I mean, I want to welcome him to the show. And, you know, so I put all of my energy. I've been rehearsing. The, his, I've been rehearsing your name for days. <laughs> I, I We're can, not yeah. special. We're here all the time. <laughs> but unfortunately, I only have so many brain cells. Fair enough. That's, that's okay. I, that's uh, I'm got. fine. Okay. I'm fine to be the brain cell that doesn't make it. Okay. <laughs> Pruned out. Mal, welcome to the show. I, I think you got your chemistry PhD at the University of Iowa before joining us here at the Carver College of Medicine. Yeah, right? I did. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, wow. And before that, as I said, you came to us from uh, Shanghai. So how long before you came here did you live in Iowa? Living Iowa before I came. Did you come right from China to Iowa? Yeah, I okay. did. Yeah, so it was direct transition. Yeah. Okay. I you know, I bet you can't speak for all Chinese people. No. Who come to <laughs> the US. I mean, I don't want to put you under that much pressure. Who come to the US to study, but why did you choose a US school instead of a Chinese one? That's a good question. So I went to a really good college in China. Mm-hmm. I don't want to brag about it, but you can brag about it. You can brag about it. Yeah. So I felt like I wanted more challenge. Also, you know, I grew up with this like Western. I I grew up in Shanghai, which is a huge city. You know, I had all the Western culture mm-hmm. influence. I mm-hmm. guess I liked it. It's it's interesting to me. Yeah. So that's why, you know, when I was, I also got a master's degree in China as well. Mm-hmm. So I went to graduate school there, you know, like people, classmates in my labs, they went to 
Japan, which is closer to China. But I felt like I was attracted to more Western culture, so I decided to go all the way to the other side of the world. Wow. Was there was there any culture shock for you at all, or was it just like, oh, I, I know what this is about? Um, I don't know. Like people say, culture shock when that really means, I guess. I was fine. I mean, food wise, I always like everything: burgers, you know, Chinese food, whatever. So, was not was not difficult for me. Like talking to people, Iowa, you know, Midwesternized. <laughs> so, was not shock to me either. Okay. So interesting. Yeah, I didn't feel like cultural shock. So there wasn't like anything this. puzzling about. I mean about America or Iowa compared to it. Like you were like. Was there anything where you're like, why is this a thing? I don't recall like I ever thought that oh. like that. You know, I had to practice my English. That was like the probably one of the sure sure hardest obstacles. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad all of you are here. Thanks, Dave. I don't want to leave any of you out. I'm glad all of you are here. <laughs> I've already left out my ability to pronounce your name, so I that's okay. Don't want to leave the rest of you out. I'm glad that you're here. Short codes. You can ask us anything about medical school you like by calling us at 347-SHORT-CT and leaving a message or emailing us at theshortcoats at gmail.com. I did not get any questions, though. This is a problem. No Uh questions? I know. Wow. I didn't get any questions, so I went to Reddit. (laughs) And I found some questions. There's plenty of questions on there. I found some questions from the official mega thread for incoming medical students. Maybe you guys can help answer these questions. I would be happy to. And, um, and you know, just give a little advice because people are going to come here soon. It's no, su- I'd be it's happy summer. to. Oh. But only if they have a 99% MCAT score and also have a 4.32 GPA and every other right. thing that Reddit tells you you have to have going into medical school. If, I gotta, if I gotta you, go. If you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need, I'm gonna need to know their credentials. I'm going to need to know everything because that's what Reddit always has taught me is you, if you're not the top don't even try. We we might need to go with the honor system here. So okay. if if your if your MCAT doesn't and your GPA don't you know reach those thresholds, listeners, you're gonna have to go find another medical school podcast to listen to. Yeah, we're we're really hardcore here. Yeah. We, if you have not solved cancer, you're out. Like yeah. if you've not done ten years if, of research, if you don't have this. if you don't have five first author publications, oh my god, you're done. If you don't, what are some other things? If you like, if you're not like associated with a Nobel laureate, like don't uh-huh, even try. Uh-huh, like if your uh-huh. mentor is not like out here winning awards left and right, you're done. Like, yeah. If you got a re- letter of recommendation from just a physician, <laughs> don't even try. I mean, get out. That's none of that's true, listeners. You none know of that's, that's true. You know that's not true. But if you bet on Reddit, you might think it's true. You know that's not that's true. true. We're not Reddit. We're, I not, could, we're better. Look, we're better. I'm going to level with you. I could get into medical school. Dave Etler could get into medical school. I promise you that. Could I stay? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. I have a terrible memory. You but, could work on that. What do you mean you could work on that? I think you can work 
on that, right? How do you work on it's that? It's like a skill. It's like, like a, a skill. Muscle. You can like I've work had 50, it out. I've had almost 52 years. I've had exactly 52 years to build up this skill. How often are you Is using today your, your birthday? Is that days? why you're saying exactly 52 years? Okay. 52 years plus a few Oh, okay. Few okay. Weeks. I would just want to make sure like, today wasn't your birthday. We didn't say that would be such a sly way to tell people <laughs> yeah. that it's your birthday. It's been exactly 26 years. And I feel like 52 exactly. years plus uh, four weeks. Okay. 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 Well, um, for the record, all those things I was saying do not count. And that yeah. is the only thing you read on Reddit and or Student Doctor Network. Yeah. Sorry if we're sponsored by either of them. We are We are not. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, I said it and I was like, oh, no. We are. Because Reddit's not. thrown big money at med student podcasts. <laughs> I'll um, reach out. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you guys can help answer these questions. So let's start with this one. How do you take notes? I swear every medical student on YouTube or social media takes either color-coordinated handwritten notes or uses some intricate uh, Notion dashboard. This can't be realistic. So how do you actually do it? What system do you use? First of all, I don't know what a Notion dashboard is. I don't either. Is. I don't either. Um, so I was hoping it was something new. Yeah. <laughs> so if we don't know what it is, nobody's doing it. How, how did, you're closer now yeah, to, to the M1 year. How did you, what did you do? How did you, how did you um, take your notes? How I, did you memorize? Uh, memorize, to be honest, one trick I've found is to quiz yourself just repeatedly. That's how you remember stuff. Like the way I used to read stuff that doesn't help me memorize. Yeah, just keep quizzing yourself and you'll memorize more. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? What do you... I think everyone does this so differently. I've heard a lot of people, again, just like in the the world of like debating how best to study. A lot of people will say like taking notes on PowerPoints is worthless. I wholeheartedly disagree. As a person who's got a very scattered brain, if I'm not doing something in a class, I can't just like sit there and like look at the professor and then absorb all the information. So for me, I would actually put the PowerPoints on to, I use Notability, you could use GoodNotes, you could use, what are the other ones? I don't know, I used a free app called PDF Expert and Perfect. Right in the margins. Yeah, just right in the margins. And then I would just like retry to synthesize what the professor was saying. Usually all the things they're saying are on the notes. So it'll just be me adding like little snippets that they might not have added mm. to the notes or ways that I can resynthesize the information and that make more sense in my brain. Uh, was that the best way? I don't know. It worked for me. So you're still here. I'm still here. They didn't kick me out yet. Unlike the hypothetical med student Dave Eller. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a very common way. I mean, people really depend on the the PowerPoint getting the slides in advance yeah, from sure. the professors. Exactly. And when they can't get them for some reason, they're thrown into chaos. <laughs> so do you guys do like Anki or flashcards like during class? Because I know that's another way. During class? Like people will make the flashcards oh. while they're in lecture. No, I could not do that. And then like that is their lecture time. They're like half paying attention. But... Okay. They're, so they're using just using that lecture, lecture time, time as, a as moment like do. creation of flashcards. I would see people do that. So a lecture goer. <laughs> okay. I think this question always comes up around orientation. And the sense I always get when people are super anxious asking this is they forget that they've already finished a degree where they studied and had success. And I feel like that would be my first part of advice would just to be do what you know how to do. And then make and, adjustments. And then build off of that with advice from classmates, learning specialists. We have one in our counseling center. Like 
they'll have sessions on how to study. Go attend those things if you think you don't get it. But you you do at this point have something there that you can build off of. The one advice that I would say change immediately was one that I had to change immediately is that I went from in undergrad, I would like take all my notes. I would never like put the PowerPoints on a slide and then write in the margins. Mm-hmm. I would always like try to take notes during class. It's going to be too much information. You're not going to be able to write all those notes. I would just do like the PowerPoint, write in the margins, kind of annotate it for yourself. Because if you go to the first class and it's like a 60 uh, slide PowerPoint, you're not going to be taking notes on that. Not effectively. You're just going to be like scrambling to try to get every word that's on the PowerPoint. Take the PowerPoints, annotate them. That's the first change. And then go from there. Back in my day, we did, you, you young... You young whippersnappers in your PowerPoint slides. We had none. We had. We were lucky if the professor wrote things on a transparency. <laughs> oh, the projectors. Yeah. Not a, not a blackboard. We couldn't even just take like... a picture of that transparency. We had to like take a picture of it with our minds. <laughs> this is why you think you're a bad memorizer. I, I, mean, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think I sometimes I wonder like could I like with the technology we have today like with Anki and and or. Anki, Anki, <laughs> with their like spaced repetition algorithms and all this kind of stuff. Like, could I? Could I? Maybe I could. No, I do think you could. Like everybody could. Okay, yeah. Dave. I think there's a multiverse in which you are a Nobel laureate. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that there imagine? is a world in which Dave Etler is a Nobel laureate, <laughs> and that he had the ability to use Anki, and that's how he got there. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, to if the if happens that the other universe me is listening right now and it has they, crazy well they got their Nobel laureate in some physics discipline that allows them to subscribe to podcasts from other universes <laughs> then, your, your uh, other good, you sounds awesome good on good on you interdimensional nice. podcast network. Yeah. yeah nice work yeah all right have we have we dealt with that question I think so okay do what works for you. That's what it comes down to. I mean, that's what like all these questions are going to really is like. Do what works for you. If it doesn't work for you, don't do it. Yeah, change it. Let's think- try something else. You know what? The the thing is, you know, people always worry like, oh, if I didn't get good grades in that first, you know, if I, you'll you'll do fine, right? If you want to do even better, you know, yeah, you could change it up and 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 adjust. But you know, really, when it comes down to like getting your residency. I don't really know that those that first those first two semesters are really that important. I think what's more important is probably your grades during clinical clerkships. And I mean, you know, you don't want to fail anything, but, mm-hmm. you know, or if you do, you want to make it up or whatever, you know, like it'll be fine. You'll it'll be, okay. be fine. It's one more thing. It's easy to waste energy looking at other people and convincing yourself you're doing it wrong because you're not doing it the way they are. Yeah. And if you find yourself doing that, stop. Do you guys pay attention to YouTube and social media med student influencers at all? No, I don't. Oh, I think Riley might. No, I like, well, they'll pop up because TikTok is an algorithm and you can only like avoid them so much. So I look at them with fascination. I don't look at them with like trying to gain something. I thought they were more interesting when I was an undergrad and I was like thinking about going to medical school mm-hmm. because I was always so fascinated by like what is the process like and i think that's the only way in which it is useful is like what does a day look like as you're trying to figure out like is this the right path for me as a medical student no i think it's like it's not toxic but it's like it it's the comparison it's the 
what is it? Thief of joy is comparison. Comparison is thief of joy. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Philosopher Riley can't even remember her nice work. sayings. Yeah. Nice work. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's not so great. Okay. Next question. I already know that I want to do a competitive specialty, e.g. opthoorthoderm. What should I be doing in my first year to set myself up for success? Cure cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> this isn't one for me to answer. This isn't one for me to answer <laughs> I feel like just relax. And <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> just yeah. chill out. And go shadow those specialties yeah, if yeah. you want to, to make sure that's really what you want to do. Yeah. Like, don't fail your classes. Start building relationships, uh-huh. yeah. but mm-hmm. with like good intentions, not just feeling like because you have to, but with people you, you want to because you want to. Yeah. And yeah. you and yeah. you do want to. I yeah. mean in the it, summer between your first and second year, you can look for research if you're into that kind of thing. Yes. Look for research in the specific area you're interested in going into, derm, opto, etc. I think that's about it. All you can do for the first few years. Other than curing cancer. Other than <laughs> curing cancer. cancer. Yeah, that's that's really it. <laughs> Every person who matches into derm has cured cancer. You guys, uh, a little. Y- you mentioned research, and I worry that people who hear "oh, research," mm-hmm. then I've got to come up with some genius research. So I got to come up with some like really super valuable research that you know cures cancer or whatever. <laughs> is that true? My current research is not going to cure cancer at all. I haven't seen a single patient, but I've seen hundreds of patient charts, uh-huh. <laughs> like. You're not necessarily going to have to be in a lab doing basic research to be getting research. There's tons of opportunities and really just look for what you're interested in and faculty who are already doing that. And you'll find a project that doesn't feel like constant work. But do you feel like the point of doing research is to make some valuable scientific contribution while you're in medical school? Ooh, that's a tough Jeez, that's a that's a deeper question. Cause I I have feelings, but they might be hot takes. <laughs> yeah, you should, bring it on. That's what the podcast. I is guess. For. I guess. Yeah, I feel like a lot of not necessarily like chart review, but like sometimes there are medical students who are like doing research for the sake of doing research, mm-hmm. and I don't think that all of it is like necessarily contributing. Like it might. I, I guess it depends, right? Because like obviously the f- there's like a physician you're like involved with who thinks it's important and like is telling you to like do this thing for them that they want the information. But I think there's a lot of instances where people are just like doing like people are like they'll like find you a project just so you can like have a project for the sake of doing something that you can put on your resume. Does it make a scientific contribution? Will the physician actually use it? Like who's to say? I don't I don't think that. All research is meaningful. I don't know. I mean, perhaps the point is to just learn how to do research. Yeah. And that's different. But that doesn't mean that it has a scientific meaningful contribution. It's like a training opportunity, which is valuable to that person. Sure. I think even, you know, I I know that you guys can, you MD, PhD students can. Well, he already has He's he's a doctor. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's a literal doctor. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking more in, in, you know, when people come to medical school. Mm. When you do your your PhD phase, like it's a long time, number Thanks. one, you're you're doing something and hopefully that's important. But sometimes, you know, you're sometimes it just, you know, doesn't work the way you thought it was going to yeah. work. Oh, for sure. And maybe, you know, and so sometimes I hear, you know, toward the end, like, oh, I didn't, you know, 
my research is garbage. Well, I think the harder part, too, is uh, most people in the MD-PhD are doing some degree of like basic science research, which is quite different than what probably 90 percent of medical students are doing when they say they're doing research. I would say most medical students are doing like clinical chart review based research. And please correct me if I'm like super off. And then like maybe 10 percent are able to get on like a basic science research project that they can continue for the four years that they're mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and maybe they'll get a publication out of it. The hard part is when you're trying to do research in medical school, from what I've gathered from friends, it's really the balance between finding a project that you're really passionate about and that will train you really well or finding a project that is going to get you a publication. Because if you're thinking about competitive specialties, it's it kind of sucks, but like publications are the currency, like to say that you've really done something and contributed and Should that be the case? No, because you could argue that really good clinical research should probably take longer than a summer that a medical student is able to work on it. However, that doesn't mean that the the currency is not weighted that way for the same reason that step shouldn't uh, be weighted as much as it is. But here's the thing. I mean, if you do a poster presentation... That's a publication. Mm -hmm. That's publication. It it counts as something. It It definitely counts. Application. Yeah. I think... And hearing all of this, and I had the experience of last summer, I did one of the summer research fellowships Mm -hmm. and I did basic science research. And now I am looking more into a project that's, we're looking at how different patients identify themselves in the medical chart, Mm. specifically gender expansive patients. Because when you have lab tests that have sex specific ranges, it's going to be impacted if you're on hormones or changing your legal sex. And when I was in the basic research mindset, I didn't see as much of the value in the current research. I don't feel like there's scientific breakthroughs, but improving patient care and finding those holes. I think it's different people looking for different things and different kind of research, but it does have value and putting it on your applications. I will go and try to get a publication with this, but I feel like it's getting me the relationships with people who are interested in these things that I am. And right now, I find value in that more than curing cancer. Right, yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. also a tad more realistic. Yes. Just a, <laughs> yes. Just a tittle. Yeah. If you're interested in going into competitive specialties and you see research as a thing you actually really enjoy doing, yeah. don't do it if you don't enjoy it. Yeah. Go do humanities projects or volunteering projects. Do not do research if you do not enjoy it. It will not. It's a bit of a slog. It's a bit of a slog. Like, it kind of sucks at times. I really enjoy it, but (laughs) it's also really hard. Another thing for another time. But I think (laughs) looking at the project that you're choosing, because clinical-based research is super important, and it is more so in the scope of what you can complete in medical school. Mm -hmm. Maybe steer clear of the basic science lab that just got the grant that is just getting a project off the ground, because that is going to be just an extra slog and probably not something you can manage to the extent you want to manage it in medical school. You may want to give more time to that project, but you're probably not going to be able to because basic science research just takes so much longer. Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show, and the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. Next question. How do I make friends in med school? And, corollary, is it a good idea to date my classmates? (laughs) These are two fun questions. 
How do you make friends in med school? Are med school friends harder to find than normal friends? No, you suffer together. I think it's probably easier. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know. tell you something about friends. Okay, you ready? Ready to hear Dave's hot take on yeah. friends? Yeah, what's your hot take on friends? When you get out of med school, when you get out of college and you get out of med school, it gets a lot harder to find friends. I can imagine, yeah. There's just, I don't know, there's just something about like not sharing the same experience every single day that makes it just a little bit harder i think it's going to be easy to find friends in med school personally what do you think you i do look back on my life and i think every single friend that i have that is close to me is a friend that was made through going through hard shit together so therefore medical school is exactly that you're going through something really tough together and therefore you are going to really enjoy each other's company because you're all going through the same hard thing and i think there's a lot of friendship that comes from commiserating together so I would argue that a lot of friends are made just like studying together and being in the learning communities and saying hey let's grab a drink after this exam and just like being okay with putting yourself out there those would be my tips I would say that's a prerequisite for being for making friends is putting yourself out there putting yourself out there easy (laughs) I think joining student groups going and jumping on your school's podcast or something <laughs> great ways to meet people and make friends. I mean, most of the people I consider are my good friends I've met in this room. If you're school if you're in med school right now and your med school doesn't have a podcast, make a podcast. <laughs> or <Easy>. or <laughs> quit. <laughs> you like hypothetical days. Cuz that's a stupid school. No. I'm just <laughs> Quinn, come to Carver. <laughs> I, we don't take transfers. We don't take transfers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Too bad you made the wrong S-O-L. choice. <laughs> um, what was the other question? Is it okay to is date? Is it okay to date? Is it a good idea? I don't know if it's a good classmates. idea, but I, I think it's a fine idea. I mean, there's plenty of people in our year who like met each other in medical school and... Are like getting married now. They're like, getting married. They're engaged. There's like plenty of people who get engaged and married. Yeah, so I think it's... Yeah, for them, it was a good idea. For you, who can say, right? Like, <laughs> we don't yeah. know you. I think for my personal self... I'm Are you a piece of shit? It might not be great for your, be for your med school yeah. date, you know? I feel like I've thought about this a lot. Not in the context that I could <laughs> literally ever do it. Because I've been in a relationship for six years now and I'm currently married. Regardless, I like think about it because I wonder if it's a good idea. Because I had watched my husband who had gone through law school. He had law school friends date. And it seems like maybe this is not the case, but from an outside perspective, and I, this is all like me just spitballing here. I feel like you'd be talking about medicine like way more than I would ever want to talk about medicine within the confines of when I go home. So I do wonder if like it's not a bad idea, but just like make sure you have boundaries like that. You're not literally only studying together, only talking medicine together. Like that just sounds like bad relationship time like sounds a little boring sounds a little boring i was actually thinking about this this morning for what reason i have no clue but i came into school engaged as well so i never once looked at my classmates as potential partners (laughs) so it's really it's really weird to sit around and have classmates talking about like oh there's only this many single people or like talking about classmates in that regard because it my brain isn't in that mode yeah but this morning i was thinking about how much i would hate for my husband to be in medicine like I really value that we're in completely different things he's in accounting and I've somebody I worked for talked about when she was in med school with her husband and she was always doing great but he was always doing better 
That's what I was going to say is the comparison. Mm-hmm. Comparison is the thief of joy. Second and time I've said nice. it now. <laughs> and it's, it, I didn't get the vibe that like he would rub it in or anything, but it still made her feel a little less. And I just wouldn't want to deal with that. Some people would probably thrive off of maybe a competitive nature or just feeling like medicine is more of their life. But that's not for me. Mm-mm. Yeah, there's no there's married no, people wondering about the the. What I would could love have been. to hear. I would love to hear from med students who are married to another med students or med students dating other med students, mm-hmm. how they negotiate that. Because I could I, my first instinct was just be like, well, just don't talk about it. You know, just then, like that's your whole say, life. What else? I know, talk like, about? there's that's completely unreasonable. Like, <laughs> you know, what do you do when you get a bad grade? You'd be like. <laughs> Well, it's, it's like, fine. It's yeah, it's fine. like when I go home to my husband, I'm like, I'll explain my day. He'll be like, how's your day? And I'm like, yeah, it was good. But then I think about it in my head. I'm like, I don't really want to go into the whole thing because then I'm going to have to like explain words and like terms. And then we, <laughs> neither of us just talks about each other's jobs. It's great. Like we say day was great. He'll tell me like a little bit about what he was doing, but not much. And I'm like, this is the perfect amount of detail for both of us right now. <laughs> All right. Then we talk about our shows that we're going to watch. So that's my advice. <laughs> I think it's a fine. I think it's okay to date your classmates. You it's can, fine. You yeah, yeah. Date, your, yeah. date all of them. Do what you want. Date them all. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not at the same time. Hey, it's called networking. But maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> networking, expanding your network. They're all going to be residents and attendees networking. someday. Networking. Oh God. Wink. <laughs> have you have you dated any classmates? Son? Are you are you are you no, involved? No, I'm I'm in a. Are you in involved? A relationship. Before I even came to med school. Have you one. dated any classmates? No, okay. I'm also in a relationship. Okay. So, right. wrong, wrong, wrong question wrong to bring room. up on this show. Wrong room. <laughs> okay. Next question. I'm not sure what specialty I want to enter. How do I explore different specialty options? How will I know what's right for me? Go to school. <laughs> That's like, a good Literally yeah. go to show up Show up every day. <laughs> Attend yeah. interest groups. Yeah. I'm in my third year, almost fourth, and I don't know what I'm doing. But you're in your yet. PhD phase now. That's that's like, <laughs> you don't have, you can put that off for a long time. Yeah, I would like, but actually when you however, get back, it's I like, I would like the answer to know. this question because I'm like, how do I explore the different specialties? Matt, do, do, do you have a specialty that you've been thinking about as an M1? Um, no, I keep my mind open. Yeah. That's what every senior classmate told me, you know, yeah. just make sure I... Also, I had a mentor who's a general surgeon here, but he just said, you know, enjoy everything. And at the end of the day, you'll know. Yeah. I hope I will know because I'm also a little anxious, to be honest, like mm-hmm. what I want to do. You sure. Know? You know, it's funny. You, I think there are people who get to that third year when people start talking about, okay, when are you going to be? When are you going to be? When you grow up? When are you going to be? And they're <laughs> not quite sure. But my experience is that, I don't know, they all match or apply to something. I feel like most people get to the end of their core year from talking to friends that are going through the process of figuring out what they want to do. They usually get to the end of their core year and are left with maybe hopefully one, maybe two or three that they're really interested in. And then they can start to figure it out from there. I know people right now that are still like 80% sure what they're applying to in a few months, but that's it's okay to be 80% sure at the end of it. The hope is you get to the end of your core year and you're like, I liked everything. Now you get like more choices, but maybe you'll find that the lifestyle of one appeals to you more than the lifestyle of another. And the older you get, as you do when you're in school for 
four years, you're going to start to realize your priorities shift as you go through it. And so core year is like the perfect time to start to figure out what you're actually doing. And for the listeners, core year is when you do all of your clinical rotations that are whatever your school has decided are the key ones, usually primary care. Surgery, um, OB, surgery, OB, psych, neurology, neuro. neuro. I think in our case, now um, we have ER also. Yeah, I think it like changed a bunch for every year in the past few years. So yeah, they they can never leave it alone so that I can remember what those things are. (laughs) But yeah, I think Riley talking about lifestyle was really important to me because. I'll get this inkling, oh, maybe I'd be interested in this, but then I see a little what it's actually like. I'm like, no way am I going to do this day in and day out forever. And then for me, I walk into where one of the pathology specialties are and I'm surrounded by microscopes and I just feel like I'm in heaven or wherever (laughs) you're the most euphoric. So you're not going to know unless you get your feet on the ground and you're not going to have had your feet on the ground before your first day of med school. Also, just, you know, resolve to Mm -hmm. explore as many options as you can outside the curriculum when you're able to do that. So, you know, if there is a break, ask to shadow somebody, some special, somebody in some specialty you've never shadowed before. Even, you know, shadow people who aren't physicians, but who work in that, in that field, you know, nurses, pharmacists, you know, just Put yourself out there so that you know what it's like from all angles of that specialty. And uh, yeah, just sort of try to take it all in. And I think one thing that sometimes people might make a mistake on is deciding to not go into a specialty because of the people you met in that specialty. I would love more like experiences about this because it would be so hard for me as a person to be with absolute just crappy people a whole rotation and then also still say no I actually really enjoyed the work and I want to go into this because I would have a hard time it's really hard assuming those people are not like that literally everywhere I go. yeah I mean it's really hard I mean like it's tempting to be like well all surgeons are mm-hmm. but I mean clearly clearly not. that's not the case I mean you know it's not the same everywhere you go and it's probably not the same even within the department that you rotated in you probably just got or even just the resident you got for that specific week yeah you, you probably a rotation. Just bad luck you know it's hard though to like parse that apart yeah. because that like colors so much of your experience is like the way people treat you i think people make decisions based on that more often than yeah that. i think people make decisions on the like I want to I want to call it like the soft side of those specialties, like the soft skills, like what is happening in the lifestyle, both when you're at work and outside of work. I think that is like way more of a factor for people once they get to their core year than I even thought. I think a lot of people enter medical school and they're like, what am I scientifically most interested in? I think once you finally start to do rotations, you start to realize who do I actually want to spend every day with? Which patients do I want to spend every day with? Do I want to wake up at this time every day? Or maybe you do because you really like that science. And that's what I've realized over the time that I've been here is the stuff that I do outside of school has become wildly more like important in my brain when I choose which specialty I want to go into. And the people that I spend every day with will matter a lot to me because I want to make sure that I really enjoy like the interactions that I'm having with people, not just going into something for cool science. Because if that was the case, I think everyone would end up in like, I don't know what's cool science. Neurosurgery, probably pretty cool. I don't know much about neurosurgery, but 
it's probably pretty neat. And so people don't because people like people and people want their time outside of work. I just decided I'm going to call pathology pretty science as long as it's not gross pathology. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else finds like pretty pathology. what you can yeah. see under the microscope <laughs> when it's stained as pretty, but... I think you might be finding just the right thing for you. I mean, the first time I was on this podcast, you talked about the pathologists alone in a dark room with their microscope. And I was like, I guess I'm going to go into pathology. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's exactly where I want to (laughs) be. See me in a few years when I'm not in pathology. (laughs) (laughs) Because you loved the people on neurosurgery. Right, right. Yeah, also, I went to those match panels. And one of the M4s told me a story. She's like, you know, when you choose a specialty... Nothing is perfect. You have to deal with the perfect you know, aspect of it and then the imperfect aspect of it. If you can accept that part, maybe your life won't be too bad. <laughs> that is great advice. I Yeah, I mean, this is kind of advice for anybody. I mean, there is no perfect world that you're going to live in. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I always feel that like, Love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, you know what? That is totally not true. Shut up. (laughs) And that's why I think it's... Because you could love what you do and still have days where it's like, ugh, I hate this. Yeah. And that's why I feel like for the person who's asking, how do I figure out which specialty I want to go into in the first couple years? Like, do things outside of medicine. Do you love rock climbing? Well, you're going to need some time off to go rock climbing because you can't do that in Iowa or probably wherever you are. So just figure out what you really enjoy. Do you love travel? Well, make sure you kind of choose and consider that within your considerations. I think exploring life outside and remembering that you're a young person in your 20s trying to enjoy life. Like, well, that's not everyone's gonna in be, their 20s. Well, not everyone's. That's a great point. Thank you so much. Teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, whenever you are. 50s. I don't know how old our oldest medical students are. I think they're in their 40s, but 40s? you can be any age. We've had, had, we've had older. Any age, Enjoy yeah. that time because Dave's going to be a 50-year-old like so medical student. Yeah. <laughs> I keep 30. threatening. I keep threatening admissions. I'm like, I'm going to apply one of these days. <laughs> I think... Then you're gonna then you're gonna have to make a real hard choice. The thing you were saying in there. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna be like, oh shit. About though, like, don't stop living just because you're in medical school. Because yeah, you can make it through those four years and have a lot of success, but you also forgot about four years of life outside of it. Yeah, and residency is not exactly. You're gonna have to find some point where you can find a balance. So start now. Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. Where should I live? Should I live with roommates? My family is nearby. Should I live with them? How long of a commute should I have? Do I need a car? Where are you uh, going to medical yeah, school? Where you are. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, there's a lot I of questions I feel like if there, you're but... paying for medical school like from loans and if you have a good relationship with your family it's like not a terrible idea to save a ton of money and just live with them because loans are paid back with interest it's not like you took ten thousand out and then now you owe ten thousand that's not how they work so and usually you have to take out more loans for the living expenses so yeah. that could be really great so as well. but obviously everyone's situation is different and like depends on your relationship with your family and how far that is i think you end up doing more maybe late nights or like weekend study things or like interest groups in the evening maybe on campus than you might foresee so having an easy way either either living on a bus route or getting like a weekend pass or if you do have a car like somewhere that's drivable living somewhere drivable or walkable is 
definitely going to be convenient because you will have like mornings during some clinic rotations where you have to be here at like five and like I don't know about where you live but in Iowa City there's no buses at five in the morning also <laughs> like for instance in our family medicine rotation you could end up like oh yeah like some, five hours away yeah you could end up in some part of Iowa that yeah. you didn't anticipate and so you're going to need a car yeah there is one caveat I would say to living with parents and that's that you are going to need to manage their expectations yeah Mm -hmm. if you don't feel capable of being like mom dad here's the thing you're you can't bother me (laughs) you can't bother me you have to be able to say no to your really good at boundaries to be able to I'm not going to be, I know I live with you, but I'm not going to be able to, you know, go on vacation and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to be able to, you know, go visit my sister when you guys are going to go visit your sister. Like those days are over. Those days are over. I mean, really, (laughs) I I feel like it's, it's, no, I think that's fair. Terribly important to manage expectations in that situation. I think even if you live with a roommate who's not in medical school or not in just a graduate program in general, like if you have a roommate that's just like living their best life working you have they have to understand that you can't just go get mimosas on a tuesday morning also it makes you sad and jealous to live with someone Uh like that so i would not recommend (laughs) do you go get mimosas on tuesday that should be part of your do you go get mimosas on tuesday morning oh you do sorry sorry you're out you're out yeah i think for like where you live there are a number of married people who have kids who have chosen to live about 20 minutes away mm-hmm. because to buy a house in one of the smaller surrounding communities, it was mm-hmm. cheaper. And so they choose to do those, those yeah, commutes yeah. and you don't have to worry about bus routes at that point. That is nice. Yeah. But it's really going to depend on what school and like what your family situation is. Are you a single person who can live at home and tolerate your family? Mm-hmm. Do you have a new family that you're bringing with you? Are you living in, I don't know, San Francisco and maybe there's, like there's absolutely no apartment. goddamn way you're going to live in, yeah. you know, you're going to be able to afford to have your own place yeah. and a car and all this kind of stuff while you're in med school. I think general, you're going to suck it up and live with your family. General <laughs> thoughts too, like as far as proximity to the school, especially if you're at something like a university of Iowa or generally just like a, a place where the town itself is essentially like surrounded by the college campus. Like it's very much a college town. Yes. You're going to have really close, close access to housing kind of near the medical school but you also may be kind of surrounded by people who are still in undergrad or graduate school or very much still in the college mindset whereas if you want to maybe live a little bit further from the medical school you might actually for me for example i wanted that separation from school because i wanted to feel as though it was a job i wanted to be like i could go home and kind of forget the world around me whereas if you live Closer, it really does still feel like you are in college because of just the housing that is available, usually closer to the school you're going to. So think about that in your brain. Are you okay with still feeling like you're right in the middle of a campus or would you rather have some of that separation? Because maybe you've worked in the past and you really want to still see this as a job or maybe you just like that separation from undergrads in the college campus lifestyle. And because a lot of towns will have sort of two tiers the one that's like college and grad school housing and then the one that is still young people but it also may be mixed with maybe some other young professionals yeah i also wanted to add a story so um i'm m1 i know one of my classmates she lives literally two hours away from here and she commutes every day 
And the reason is because she just got engaged to her fiance last year, so last summer. So by now they've been engaged for a year now. I think they're getting married this summer. But the reason why she wants to commute every day was because she wants to see her fiance. Sure. And so it's like a sacrifice <laughs> she's willing to make. Four hours every day spent on road. I don't know how she does it. I think she's doing doing great. Just class wise, you know, but yeah. she did it. She listens to all her lectures on the drives Maybe, from honestly, here, right? That, that would be good. Yeah. I was going to say the other thing, the other thing that I've heard of as far as living situations go is people buying, you know, condos to live in while they're here and maybe hoping that the the market will move such that they actually make money when they leave. Mm-hmm. I don't so know if that's realistic This is not. actually what my family did. My parents... My mom saw the price of what I was going to be paying each month for rent when I was originally moving here. And all of a sudden it turned into a business opportunity for her. And so she worked with me to pick out a condo here that she bought and me and my husband pay rent to her for that. But then you have to manage expectations with family and, oh, you have a guest room. That's my room or, you know, those kind of things. And mixing business and family <laughs> so it, it it is a thing i've heard of other people doing but beware i definitely know some other like people who are moving into like family-owned condos or something especially if they're fans of the school you go to i know a lot of people who are like iowa fans and so they like to come to the football mm-hmm. games again manage expectations because that also might mean that they're throwing parties seven out of the fall saturdays like they might be there every weekend mm-hmm. but i think it's I would say in the like longer degree programs like the MD PhD, it's pretty common for people to like consider buying condos or houses because they're going to be here for for so long, yeah, so long, ten and years, so, uh, nine years, you know, is, is fifty years actually, a <laughs> hundred years, a hundred years, and so the market is bound to go up. But I also know some medical students who were proactive and thought about it going into their first years, but do not feel like you have to. That is like not what everyone does and sometimes it's not a great idea like in the past year it has probably not been the best idea but i mean it's kind of dicey to assume that your real estate is gonna mm-hmm. is definitely gonna increase in value i mean you could get to your last year of school in the market tanks and you now you're like yeah. oh well i mean it so- may just be a matter of deciding to pay uh, a mortgage rather than rent which one is cheaper you know that that kind of thing that's fine we have not bought our houses thinking that they were going to increase in value. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. We're not, we, we ain't no business people. <laughs> so. Also, some medical schools have like medical fraternities that you can live oh, in. Oh, that's for, true. Like, yeah. Like we have, uh, what is it? A- AKK, AKK and, and Firo. Firo is, yeah. And I think rent's about, it's like less than $500 a month, I think. Yeah. So if you can get into those, that's that's cool. I, I have found definite benefits for my living situation, though, in that we're in a really good location between our families. And so at like holidays and breaks, a lot of people disperse and go back home. And this is home now. Mm-hmm. I don't it, it's kind of a weird mindset when I'm like, oh, where's everybody going? Because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but I I like that. I like being in one place and not having to pack up every summer. Well, those are the questions I have. Mao, you're you're the M1 in the room. Was there a question you had about medical school before you came here? <laughs> <clears throat> I guess I don't know what to expect for M2. Mm. So what M2. what is what is the M2 life yeah. like? Yeah. Just moving that one step forward. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't make it all the way through the M2 life. So I, I think it's I, I think it's I, 
I think it's more of the same, really. Yeah, I, yeah, like, I was yeah. going to say the next semester fall is like literally the same. Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> and then in our Sorry, case, we have an 18, we have an 18 month yeah. preclinical curriculum. So mm-hmm. once you get through the first semester of step two, then you go into your preclinical years and then it all changes and, you know, yeah. you're doing something completely different. And oftentimes people are like, this is awesome <laughs> when they get to clinics. So I'm trying to remember what I was scared about going in. You know, stressed Riley. She had to be stressed about There was something, something, right? There was something that stressed Riley was stressed about. But (laughs) for reference, and nobody else would know this, but I've been calling myself stressed Riley on the podcast for the past few times because I keep describing myself as stressed, even though I'm not. Like, I'm I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky person, but it's just the word that I use. It's all right. It's all right. High strung. We have to visit the financial aid office to hear about our sponsor for this episode, Panacea (gasps) Financial, the bank... For doctors, by doctors. As a doctor, the average bank isn't built for the medical student community. It just isn't. At Panacea Financial, they get it because they've lived it. As a bank founded by two MedPeds physicians, they are dedicated to providing solutions for the unique needs of doctors and doctors in training, including their PRN personal loan. Do you have a good way to cover costs of moving for residency? Or paying for unexpected life costs? Do you want to avoid credit cards or refinance existing or expensive credit card debt? Then check out their PRN personal loan as a way to help. It has up to $15,000 in funding for medical students, a period of no or low affordable payments, and no cosigner requirement. Even if you don't need any of Panacea's medical student loans, you can refer a friend and Panacea Financial will pay up to $250 for each referral. And there is no limit to how many people you can refer. Join the growing number of medical students nationwide that expect more from their bank and have switched to Panacea Financial. Visit PanaceaFinancial.com today to learn how a bank for doctors by doctors can help you. Panacea Financial is a division of Premise member FDIC. Thank you, Panacea Financial, for your support of the Shortcode Podcast. Really appreciate it. Always lovely to have you back. Thanks, Panacea. Today, I learned about the hanger ref- reflex. Have you heard of the hanger reflex? No. All right. This is this could blow your mind or it could be complete hogwash. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it's when the pressure of a clothes hanger worn on the head so as to cause pressure on the frontotemporal region causes an involuntary rotation of the head. 2015 study of 60 Japanese men and 60 Japanese women found that 95.8% of subjects experienced this involuntary movement, mostly rotation toward the compressed side of the forehead. So here's a wire hanger. <laughs> okay. I was hoping and I'm going to, uh, I mean, we're all going to try this okay. to see if 95.8% of us, of us <laughs> experience this. But I feel like we already know what's happening. I like, feel like. Did, did we contaminate it, you think? Yeah. All right, so this is what you do. You put it on your head like this, so it's like okay. pressing the front your head's of than your... bigger Will it... Huh? Will it shrink back inside? <laughs> Are you saying I have a big head? No, I'm just saying you have a bigger head <laughs> than me, specifically. I have a small head. Anyway, what's supposed to happen? You're supposed to turn your I think it's supposed head. to hurt a little bit. Does it? It hurts a little bit. Yeah. Okay. You know, your head looks like kind of turned <laughs> that way. I don't think it's able to put the pressure it's supposed to be having. What do you mean? That's what it's... I don't. Because my head's too big? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, Dave. Your head is too big for Can the they finger. see you right now? Can people see you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Now they can. I don't know if the hanger... Re- oh, God. 
Uh, <laughs> well, I, now that I've now that I've given for you, you try it, Nicole. <laughs> do we have a video? Yes. What no. Do, do we have a video? Like, do we have a oh. video of this happening? I don't people? know. I should probably look up. Oh God. What were the methods? Someone's of this gonna paper? poke their eye out. Okay. Is it hurt? You, you have to. It's stretched pre- out, it's right? He stretched she turned, out. She turned. She turned. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure is gonna be like on your on your. Yeah. Frontotemporal. So maybe like it has to be over on the Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel an urge to rotate your head? 90. (laughs) 95.8% of Japanese people. 5.8. That is so many. I feel like the pressure of it trying to pull is like actually trying. Like it's physically moving your head that way. Yeah. It was like it's at angles like this, but I don't. I did not feel just an irresistible <laughs> desire to turn my head. Except right. for when I really wanted to look at Dave. Let me try. Oh. Okay. See Why would TikToks. they? Who thought of this? And oh. was like, let's put hangers out. Apparently, Japanese scientists. Or is this just I'm looking for relatively short video? Oh, I feel. I feel like. I think I understand because it's like pushing on the back like this, so it feels like I should be going like this, but I don't like. It's creating like a rotational to. feel yeah, around yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like kind of almost like tugging my head this way. Let's look at this video. Okay, I'm going to take this off. The hanger challenge, I guess is what you call it. But according to science, for some reason, if you put a hanger on your head... <gasps> okay, she just... Your head she just moved her head. She just purposefully... <gasps> oh my God, it's like the hanger challenge, I guess yeah. is what you call um, it. But of course, oh, it does feel like it. It really does feel like I want to move that way. Like when I move that way, I feel like a relief versus when I move that way, it just like is more pressure. Yeah, because it's just literally like pulling on your head. It's literally (laughs) just like a muscle thing. Well, yes. Oh. I mean, muscles do help move the bodies. (laughs) Dave, I didn't need the sass right now. See, I'm going to be a med student. Muscles, Muscles help move bodies. Wow. Do they? They do. I heard muscles don't exist. <laughs> I think that's Do you that's feel T it? cells don't exist. No. T cells don't exist. <laughs> I just feel something squeezing in my head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's squeezing at like two opposing yeah. points. So it almost feels like, yeah, to relieve the pressure the, you want to like move in one Now the direction. diagram from the study mm-hmm. shows the it like you guys are wearing it like basically left to right, but it the diagram I saw has the hanger rotated okay. such that it's pushing on. I thought on. I had it kind of like this. Yeah, you did. Mm. I do see where it's coming from. I don't think... <laughs> it's the way that fact. she turned her head, she, she did fully... She was like, oh, whoa. Like, <laughs> also, this is like assuming we have the neck strength of like a... F- like a baby, like we have next. Like we can, like we can overcome uh, we can it. Overcome <laughs> this, this reflex did, of this hanger. Did this become a famous challenge, and then they decided to do a whole study on it, or do you think it was the other way around? I, I, I assumed it was some scientists who were like, "Hey, let's put a hanger on people's head because we're just, we just want to." F- with people yeah like how I, many, what was the impetus <coughs> how many of these trends are just like okay we're gonna get three people to act like it does this really dramatically and then we're gonna have millions doing it yeah this does kind of seem a l- l- little bit like uh 
TikTok came up with it yeah. first rather than... I like, I would... remember we were talking about research and scientific, meaningful scientific contributions. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was the point of this study? Can you imagine the med student who came up with this, you know... You're like, on your neurorotation <laughs> and you just try to shove a hanger on someone's head just to see if they have this reflex? You're at home feeling really sad about your life and you're like, mm, I'll put this hanger on my head. <laughs> Hey, look at that. For anyone that tries this, I think a more reasonable response would be like, yeah, I kind of feel like I want to move my head this way. But like, you're not going to whip over. Yeah, it's partially because I'm in pain and want it to go away. Exactly. You're not going to get whiplash from this. All right. Well, let it be known that the Short Code Podcast debunks, (laughs) (laughs) solidly debunks the hanger on the head. Should we write a paper? Yes. That'd be on Going your primary back. application. We were unable, yes, we were unable to replicate this, the, yeah. s- the findings of this. Reproducibility is important. If yeah. anyone wants to write this paper, put me as a co-author. A case, case. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you must put the Shortcode Podcast as a yeah. co-author. It's actually just Not podcast, yeah. comma, shortcode. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of social media, I uh, missed this story on Medscape at the end of March, but it's worth talking about, I think. A Wake Forest University School of Medicine student was placed on leave after tweeting that she had unnecessarily stuck a patient with a needle during a blood draw to make a point about transgender rights. The student was wearing a pin that indicated her preferred pronouns while she was doing a blood draw. The patient, as patients sometimes do, made a comment about the pin to the effect that it was ridiculous to specify pronouns. The tweet, now deleted, said, quote, I had a patient I was doing a blood draw on, see my pronoun pin, and loudly laughed to the staff. She, her? Well, of course it is. What other pronouns even are there? I missed his vein. So he had to get stuck twice. So that was the tweet. Uh, The implication here is that the student retaliated by sticking the patient twice. I for some reason I thought they like took the pin off and stuck them with the pin. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That they were about to like give a like give a vaccine, took the cap off, like just like took a needle. No, I now understand. No, like no, 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 the pronoun what, pin. That's the, what I thought. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a full it's a full another level though, like what we're talking about. This person deciding that they're going to make a point and purposefully miss and, and stick twice. And then a whole other level to think it's a good idea to go on Twitter and talk about it. Yeah. Okay, well, here's the thing. A couple things, yeah. It turns out that after investigation by Wake Forest, that's not actually what happened. The first attempt to draw blood was unsuccessful, as can happen with people who are learning how to yeah. draw blood. So the supervising clinician took over, hence the second, what do you call it? The second attempt the intent of the tweet, as the student admitted, was to highlight the bad karma of the patient who was being a d- unnecessarily. And yet the student was still, I guess, was still suspended, I suppose, while they maybe while they just while they investigated or something like that, mm-hmm. because the tweet really does make it seem like they did. You can't ignore purpose. that implication. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like. But like people miss all the time. Like even people perfect like you know. Full I don't even. Yeah, I don't even think I'd know enough to like know to miss purposely. Like <laughs> I know it's probably the most likely scenario, but I don't. I wouldn't be able to do it on purpose. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Yeah, that's so hard. I don't. So, hey, look, I do think the moral of the story is maybe don't tweet things. Yeah, I think uh, you're zeroed in on it. should yeah. be better. Don't mm-hmm. be a. Dick. But also understand that people are probably not going to be the best that you're going to come in contact with in medicine. And part of the job is to let it roll off your shoulders. Yes. I I think it's probably a case of I wrote this tweet in a hurry. I thought it was funny. Yeah. 
I thought it clearly right. they said didn't one how thing and yet it was yeah. misconstrued. This is a great lesson and also some self-awareness to know that not everything needs to be tweeted. And this is still a professional world and tweeting about things can come back. There are a lot of doctors tweeting a lot of things. Yeah. And it makes me wonder because I know, you know, years ago. Uh, there was, a, of course, a lot of reluctance to be on social media by physicians. And nowadays that doesn't seem to be as much the case. I mean, I'm sure there are many people who would rather not be on social media. And that's, you know, I, sometimes I would rather not be on social media. Actually, all the times I would rather not be on social media. But unfortunately, that's my life now. <laughs> but the point is, like, you don't have to. You don't have to tweet that thing that you think is really clever. You don't have to do that. You probably could have had a lesson from it. Like my patient made fun of the pronouns and that is unfortunate and sometimes something we have to deal with in the world and maybe leave out the second part or because you- I think it's fair to bring attention to it that there's a lot of people that are like rightly so putting pronouns now on their badges. Like I think that's awesome, but they also have to be aware that some people are going to make comments about it. So I think that tweet alone is bringing awareness to people who are probably going to have similar situations. Leave out the second part. I think it would have been much more impactful if you had that first part and then a story about a patient who like was positively impacted by seeing them. Yeah. Or you could, as you have already observed, just say to that patient, well, I'm not really interested in talking about that. Yeah. At all. I don't know. Or I, I feel like I would be like, well, they're important to me and important to a lot of other people. So well, look, that's our show. Mao, Riley, Nicole, Sahana, thank you for uh, being on the show with me today. You're welcome. Thank you. And what kind of ding dong would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow our show wherever fine podcasts are available. We've got it's in a number of places: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Our editors are Maddie Walline, and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government, an ongoing support for the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. Hi, Shortcoats. Look, life in medical education... Life in America, life in the world is often difficult, and I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. 